0: In the beginning, it was good.
1: But sin entered the world.
0: It created a chasm between us and God. We were shipwrecked. We needed rescue.
2: Welcome to 12 Stone across the campuses. We are so glad that you are celebrating Easter with us, even if it's online. Now, let me just tell you right off the top, uh, our family, we still color Easter eggs. From my 14-year-old to my 20-somethings who are married, we do the Easter egg coloring thing. We pull out our art skills. Just out of curiosity, hands up across campuses right here. How many of you still do the Easter egg coloring thing? Just hands up. All right. All right, there's a good number of us Kind of, We still do Easter baskets. How about you? Yeah, if you live in the house, you get an Easter basket in the morning. That's it. If you're living there, you get one full of sugar, spectacular. And, of course, people want to know, while you're kind of uh, taking down some chocolate bunnies or, or while, you're, while you're eating a, a marshmallow chick, can we really learn anything from the Easter bunny? Some say yes. So here's your standard cheesy humor. For Easter, Let's put it on the screen. Here we go. All I need to know, I learned from the Easter bunny. Let's check it out together. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Here's the next one. Everyone needs a friend who is all ears. Come on, that's at least a smile. All work and no play can make you a basket case. There's no such thing as too much candy. Yeah, you can support that one. Everyone is entitled to a bad what? Hair day, yeah, the grass is always greener in someone else's basket. So true. And finally, here we go. Keep your paws off other people's jelly beans. There you have it. We need almost a ba boom at the end. But obviously the Easter bunny has really nothing to do with Easter. In fact, if you're gonna pick an animal for Easter, it's not gonna be a bunny. It's probably gonna be a sheep. Because shepherding sheep We're at the center of the Easter story. In fact, you go all the way back to the Old Testament. David, the eventual king of Israel, he was a shepherd. And when God anointed him, he said, David, I want you to become the shepherd of the nation of Israel, my people. And see, David knew that when God used the language, the picture shepherding, it meant that God had great value and love and a heart for the nation of Israel. He knew that God would protect and provide and watch over. See, David understood the significance of shepherd to the sheep. That's why it's no surprise that Psalm 23 is perhaps the most uh, famous of all the Psalms. Just look at the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, he does what? He restores my soul. See, that whole soul restoring thing is a big deal. And what David is communicating to us is that that God as a shepherd is really communicating that you need a shepherd. And maybe you've never thought about this before, but you need a shepherd in life. Again, you may not have walked in and said, oh my, it's Easter, man, I, I hope he knows that we need a shepherd. That may not be your daily thought, but I put a couple of thoughts in your teaching outline, and, and I hope by the time we're done, the Spirit of God convinces you of these, because these are true. If you're a note-taker, you'll be able to fill in the blanks. Here we go. You need a shepherd for eternity, and you need a shepherd for every day. We're going to talk about both of those. You need a shepherd for eternity. You need a shepherd for every day. And when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he was establishing who God is in this. That God is not distant or disengaged. But God is intimately engaged and connected. Watches over. He will protect. He will provide. And you're going to need a shepherd. And he's not a force. He's a father. And if you don't know this about God. Listen. If you don't know this about God then you don't know the God who created you. It's who he is. And you need a shepherd for eternity. Say it with me, everybody. You need a shepherd for what? Eternity. Say it again louder so we can all. Here. You need a shepherd for who? for what? Eternity. Jot it down. Let's unpack it. Let's talk about it. See, he, when David said he restores my soul, he's talking about the essence of your personhood, that you are a... You're you're a spirit being wrapped in a physical body, and your physical body's going to die, it's going to fade, it's going to pass away. But you, the soul, the spirit, you will live forever, and you need to be rescued. Eternally, spiritually rescued. Rescued. Now, that may not immediately connect, but, but let's, let's put it in the framework of the physical material world. Have you ever been in a place where you've needed to be rescued? But perhaps you just kind of think about time in your life when you needed rescue. In the early 1990s, I became friends with a guy named Chris Huff. Chris Huff uh, was an atheist, far from God, spiritually unresolved, started hanging out at 12 Stone, got a bit of a spiritual journey, eventually came to faith in Christ, he and I became friends. And around the mid-90s, we went on our first motorcycle trip. And we were going to do the Blue Ridge Parkway, love the idea of the Blue Ridge Parkway, never been on it before, but it's like 500 some miles of road with no stop sign and no traffic lights. So this was going to be heaven on a motorcycle. So we, we made our way up, and as luck would have it, when, when we got up to the, to the Blue Ridge Parkway, we were on there for just a couple of minutes, and it started to rain. No problem, we'll, we'll get through this. But we pulled off to the side in order to put on our rain gear. Now, when we pulled off to the side, there were like 20, 30 feet of grass. It was on a decline, and then after that, it was a drop-off to like 1,000 feet to sheer death. But that's okay, we got 20, 30 feet, so we're, we're gonna be fine. So I pull off my bike, and, and, and I lean it, and I, I jump off, I start getting yeah, my helmet off, and I start getting my rain gear on. And I turn around, and Chris isn't getting his rain gear on yet. In fact, apparently, he couldn't, he couldn't lean his bike, the, the, the decline wouldn't let him, so he backed it up, and he was trying to pull forward the other way. So now he's perpendicular with the road, but it's raining enough that the grass is wet, and he can't get any traction. And now he's sliding backwards toward the edge. I realize he's, he's, in, he's like he's in trouble. So I throw myself down. I run over to his bike. And by the time I get there, I mean, his bike is literally coming to the edge. And I'm grabbing the bars. And I'm like, Chris, get off the bike. And he's just looking at me big-eyed. And he keeps gassing. But he's going nowhere. I mean, he's just spinning his wheels. And, and I can't hold 800 pounds of man and metal. So, so I'm like, Chris, I don't know what to do. So literally, I got down. I literally did. Just go with me. I got down, and I straddled the front wheel. I know, it looks stupid, it sounds stupid, but I didn't know what else to do. I mean, my friend's going to die. He's going to go off the edge. I straddled the front wheel, and, and I grabbed the forks, and I'm holding it with all my might. I dig my heels, and I'm looking up at Chris, and I'm yelling, get off the bike. He won't get off the bike. He just keeps spinning it. He's panicking. I'm panicking. I'm going to let the bike go. You're going to die. And I'm looking down this 1,000-foot cliff, and now I'm praying. And I get off the bike. wouldn't get off the bike. Did you ever have a moment in time like, like it feels like everything slows down, and you look like an idiot, and you don't know what to do? It's that moment. Now, I'm sure it was only a minute or so. A bunch of motorcyclists pulled by, and, and, and as they drive by, they see what's going on. They stop their bikes, park them literally on the road, come running over. They got on either side of the bike. They pull them up, and, and, and we're like, oh, my goodness. We're grateful. They finally leave. adrenaline still rushing. And I just look at Chris. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> How many of you have friends who are idiots? Because you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Somebody was just thinking of you. Doesn't that feel good? Like you're an idiot. And he gets this wry smile, and he's like, but I saved my bike. I said, no, you didn't. It took somebody else to save your bike. It took someone else to rescue you. Okay, well, it's a little funny now, not a lot. <laughs> it was really scary then. And that's Easter. Easter is we're in serious trouble. We're sliding toward the edge, certain death. And Jesus came to rescue us. That's what you need to know about Easter. That sin separates us from God. That's what sin does. It, it unplugs us from our creator. I have an iPhone. I'm sure most of you have a cell phone of some sort. Have you ever done this at night? You didn't plug it in right? And, and in the morning, come on, how many of you have ever done it? in the morning? It's dead. Doesn't that tick you off? I mean, it's like already going to be a bad day. <laughs> and, and why is it dead? Listen, because, is, because the cell phone isn't self-sufficient. It's not its own power source. When you unplug it, it already starts to die. Wh- listen, when we sin, we unplug ourselves from the creator. And we already start to die. That's the impact of sin. It's disobedience. It's, it's kind of playing God in our own lives. We're slipping back toward the edge, and we're going to go off the edge. We're eventually going to die. We're going to be eternally separated from God. That's what's ahead of us. And some people say, well, I'll just, I'll just do a whole bunch of good works. But that's nothing more than spinning your wheels. It's not going to move you forward. And some say, oh, I don't buy this stuff. I think it's, Christianity is just a hoax like the bunny. But Jesus came along and said, I tell you the truth. Look what he said in John chapter 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. There it is. And I lay down my life for you, the sheep. This is who Jesus is. He's the door, which means he is the way to heaven. And he's the good shepherd. In other words, he will lay down his life for us. That's what he did at Easter. He came and he rescued us. He's the good shepherd of our soul. Now that's not always clear to everybody. It wasn't clear to Matt. Matt and Lindsay had a moment in time several years ago where they're like, I I, I don't think I need this. And they stepped into the spiritual journey, sitting in the place just like you. In fact, I want you to listen just a couple of minutes of their story and and, and catch on to their discovery for their need for Jesus. Listen to Matt.
0: I grew up in what I refer to now as a come in, sit down, shut up church. I hope it's okay to say that. Uh, very, you wear your Sunday best, you come in, you sit down, you knock out three hymns at the beginning of service and then you don't speak, you don't move, you don't do anything until the sermon is over and then you get up and you walk out. You know, I I wasn't anti-going to church, I wasn't anti-God by any means. I just, uh, you know, I'm a good guy, you know, I'm nice to people. I, you know, do I need this much of that in my life.
1: I really wanted to find a church that we both would um, just connect with. And a client of mine told me about 12 Stone.
0: At first, I was like, if that's what you want to do, then we'll do it. But she could tell I wasn't into it. Um, so when she finally was like, you can wear jeans, uh, I was like, well, all right, we'll go. We come back the next week. And then we come back the next week and the next week. And then after, you know, something that she and I had never done. We are planning our weekends around church. And then she says, well, they got this small group thing. I'm like, well, what's a small group? You got me in church. I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing it. <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. Let's not, Let's not monkey things up now. And what I eventually realized was I didn't need the structured formality of church as much as I needed a relationship with Jesus. I definitely had the emotion of wanting to surrender to christ and to make that walk and it was just getting over the the four or five hitches in the chair to actually get up out of it walk down the stairs and go up to the stage
2: so what was matt saying sure you could celebrate that absolutely but what was matt saying i mean i mean when matt said "I, i realized my need for a relationship with jesus And and, and I I got up out of the chair, kind of sitting in the place where you are right now. At the end of the service, I got up out of the chair, and I finally made my way forward, and I walked across the stage, meaning that he prayed to to receive Jesus. What's Matt telling us? Here's what he's telling us. He discovered something he didn't know before he started that journey. He discovered he had debt he did not understand. Stay with me on this. He discovered he had debt he did not understand. In his case, spiritual debt. Now, I, 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 I want to help us take a moment and see if we can kind of wrap our heads around it. So let, let, let me talk about debt. How many of you, if you're willing to raise your hand, I'll, I'll start over How many of you have some kind of debt in your life, financial debt? You either have a mortgage on a house, you have debt on a car, you have debt on college, you have debt, keep your hands up, you have debt, uh, cross capsules, keep your hands up, you have debt, uh, credit card debt, you have some personal debt, you have some kind of debt, hands up again. Everybody who has debt of some kind, put your hand up, okay? Now. We want to do something that's kind of cool at Easter. And this is good. I'm going to call it a big Easter blessing. But we can only do it for one person. So don't go like, oh, this is for everybody. No, it's not. It's for one person. What we're going to do is we're going to collect all the names of anybody who wants to. So you can put your name in. It's entirely up to you. But at the end of all services, we're going to collect a name uh, for everybody. And then at the end of all these services, we're going to pull one name out. And 12 stones is going to pay off all the debt that that person has. So we're going to wipe out one person's debt, which sounds fantastic. If that's, How many of you would like to? Get your name in. I mean, absolutely. Tell your neighbor I'm in. Just tell your neighbor I'm in. Okay, so this is gonna be fantastic. This ain't gonna be for everybody, okay? This is the Easter blessing, but come on, make a point. And some people immediately are gonna say, okay, like tell me when you're gonna actually do the drawing. And I'm not. What are you thinking? That is nuts. Are you kidding me? Easter is on April Fools, and I had to come up with some kind of an April Fools. So (laughs) there it is. There's your April Fools. Obviously, we're not doing that. Some of you were thinking, I can get to every service and get my name in at every campus. (laughs) Some of you just started praying for the first time in weeks, months, or years. You're like, let it be me. Some of you are mad. How many of you are mad? It's okay. Do you want to boo? Count of three. One, two, three. Boo. I know, I know. But it wouldn't have mattered if we did it. Because if I reached in and pulled the name out, it was going to be my wife's. I can just tell you that right now. That's how it was really going to happen. So it didn't matter. But here's what I know goes on in our head. The moment I start talking about that, all y'all are just like, yes. Because if you've had any real financial debt for a period of time, you know the weight. And the idea of being debt free is mind-blowingly beautiful. And that's just financial debt. See, what Matt realizes, he had spiritual debt because of his sin that he could never cover, never pay off, never resolve. And Jesus covers your spiritual eternal debt. And if you're not more excited about what Jesus did, it's only because you don't know your debt. I'm telling you, the only, the only reason Matt didn't want to come, Man, I don't want to go to church, I don't need Jesus, I don't need that faith stuff, the only reason he said that is because he didn't understand the condition of his spiritual debt before God. He just doesn't understand sin. And so no big deal, Jesus will forgive your sin. Whatever, don't care, don't need it, doesn't matter. Now if I could win the lottery, that'd be awesome. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter Six. Grab your Bibles. Here across campuses, grab your Bibles. They're right underneath your chair or, or you receive one on the way in. It's on page 1131, page 1131, Romans chapter 6. you got to have a moment. If, you, if you've never made sense, if, if, if Easter's never made sense to you, this is going to help you. you got to read this verse, page 1131, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. (laughs) The wages, the consequences, you ready? The debt of sin is death. It's what you will pay for even the smallest of sin, let alone the many we've all committed. And that huge debt, you can't cover. So you'll die in your sin. And when you die for your sin, well, then it's over. You died, you paid but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the good shepherd who will lay down his life for us. Listen, Jesus really lived. And he really bled. And he really died. And he really rose from the dead. Yeah, the celebration of all. Because when he rose from the dead, he conquered sin and death so that you and I could rise from the dead and have our sin covered and our death debt paid. That's the celebration of Easter. That's this amazing gift of God. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ to new life is really the most amazing debt forgiveness plan in all of history. And when Matt figured it out, he said, I want in on that. That's all he was doing. and Why wouldn't you? I mean, I'd put my name in for debt-free financially. I would do it all the more to be forgiven of my sin. So you go right back to that verse in John 10. Check it out. Put it back on the screen. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life. I lay down my life. See, that's why you need a shepherd. He lays down his life for us, his sheep. And that doesn't apply to you automatically. You have to believe, you have to receive. So while it's true what Jesus did, it was true for Matt. But until Matt personally believed and received, it didn't change his life. In fact, if you say this isn't true, it doesn't make it untrue. Your beliefs don't change the truth. They just change you. And when Matt, f- Matt finally understood what Jesus did, no wonder he got up out of a seat. No wonder he came forward. No wonder he prayed to receive Jesus. No wonder. Because he was rescued. See, you need a shepherd for eternity. We all do. But that's not the only thing he does for you. You also need a shepherd for every day. Jot it down. Say it with me. You need a shepherd for when? Every day. Say it again. For when? Every day. You need a shepherd for every day. By the way, many times people think, oh, Jesus is only for my eternity. So he's only my shepherd. And it's like, get out of hell free card. And then you go live like hell. No, that's that's not the deal. And some people think, oh, you, just, you only turn to Jesus when things are going bad, when things are difficult. You need him on any given day when it's not going. No, Jesus, he's your shepherd for eternity. He's your shepherd for every day. That's why when David said in Psalm 23, midway, he was getting really practical. He said, even when the way goes through Death Valley. I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's hook makes me feel secure. You serve me a a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. See, David's talking really practical here. God is our shepherd on earth, here and now. He not only rescues you, but he transforms your life because he's with you, watches over you, provides and protects here and now every day. See, while we're trying to shepherd our family, our kids, our world, God shepherds us. In fact, I want to take us right back to Matt's story because that day he came to Christ, he was rescued and he discovered the good shepherd. Jesus laid down his life and he became his shepherd eternally, but God had more in mind. He became his shepherd every day. Listen to the rest of Matt's story.
0: Ramsey Kate was born in June of 12. About three months after she was born, um, Lindsay starts falling into a real bad postpartum depression.
1: I was sleeping maybe two to three hours a night. I could barely get out of bed. I mean, it was tough.
0: I would write a scripture down on a piece of paper and stick it on a magnet above the microwave. So when she would get up in the morning and go into the kitchen, the first thing she would see every single day was a scripture of some subject. Chris and and Jimmy Lastinger, were probably two of the people that I leaned on the hardest for three, three and a half years. So fast forward, Lindsey's doing a lot better. She's working. uh, She's doing everything a a normal wife and mother does now. And things are going really, really well. So we go on vacation, uh, the four of us uh, down to Orange Beach we're wrapping up just a typical day and we go into our room and all of a sudden something hits us and we both just turn down and look at the foot of the bed. And standing there is Ramsey Kate.
2: So tell me your name, what's your name? Ramsey Kate Turner. And how old are you? Five. That's fantastic. <laughs> and who's your family? Mama, Roman, <laughs> me, daddy. There you go. And puppies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And she is blank, no facial expression, not a lot of color in her face. She's just standing there. And all of a sudden, her face starts twitching.
1: Um, And I said, oh, no, something's not right. So I just grabbed the phone and called 911 and...
0: Carry her into the, the living room. And then she goes, totally limp. Her lips start turning blue. And we're not quite sure what we're supposed to do next out of the windows of our condo shoot straight down the beach boulevard. And it's the route that the ambulance would take and it's only a mile and a half from where it turned onto that road. And it felt like it was 75 miles away. And I'm sitting there holding my child, my little girl not knowing what's about to happen.
1: I remember sitting there watching this. I was like so out of body. And I just remember putting my head down and and just praying immediately. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if she was dying. She looked like death. I mean, she was limp, she was blue. Two minutes later, she just popped out of it.
0: By the time the paramedics got up to our condo uh, and they put the little blood ox meter on her finger, it was in the 40 percents below 40s. As the hours go by, she starts slowly getting a little bit back to Ramsey-Kate. You know, we were cracking jokes in the bed and she wants something to drink. Or so about three o'clock in the morning, they were like, she's good, y'all can go home. We think it was just a one-off seizure. We left and we went back to the condo and everybody went to sleep. And I didn't. A month or two later, we're at home. Kids are in bed asleep. you are like, all right, it's time to start shutting the house down, it's time to go to bed. You know, that little bedside lamp in Ramsey Kate's room is on, we am gonna go and I'm gonna turn it off. And found her, and she was just starting another fully involved seizure. So we go through the entire thing again. Like, you need to get set up with a neurologist. Because whatever it is is brain related. The way they described it is these, these things are more common than people think in kids. They typically will outgrow them, but it takes, you know, somewhere around the age of 11 or 12. She's five. Uh, but, but this was one of those that Lindsay and I got to fight through together, uh, which was great. We actually went and bought uh, monitors and our bedtime routine. Lindsay and I will go into our bed, and we watch our shows or a movie or whatever, but that whole time, that monitor's sitting right there on my chest. And every 20 seconds, I'm watching the TV. You know, until it's bedtime.
1: At night on the monitor, I do believe as we're watching her, he is watching us watching her. You know, um, it's just wild to think of it like that.
0: Deciding to follow Christ definitely means more to me now, looking back. I don't know that we would have made it through that time without Christ, without God being along for that entire journey, along for this entire journey, because it's not over yet, and I don't want to imagine the future journey without him either. I wouldn't wish what we went through on anybody. Those were, those were hard years. So I, I have no doubt that he's he's been, <laughs> since you can wear jeans, he's been with me every moment.
2: Uh, thank you, Matt. And that was just a well-shared story. So here's what Matt's been telling us. He, way back here I decided I, I didn't need church and I was kind of done and done enough religion. So there's, there's no reason for God and Jesus and faith. You know, I, I, I'm a pretty good guy. Marriage isn't blowing up. My, my career is good. I'm physically strong. I'm, I'm healthy. I mean, w- really? I, I, I don't need that. And, and then God begins to draw them in. And Matt discovers that he has a spiritual debt he never understood, never made sense to him. He didn't know who Jesus really was and what he had done for him and how profound Easter is, how much God loves you. And he was rescued. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to be spiritually rescued. And have God become your shepherd. He continues to walk on the journey and then he discovers that that it was more than you needed Jesus. You needed the church. You needed all that was a part of what Jesus would bring around. He would be your good shepherd and and brotherhood and friendship and family and that began to grow and then Matt hit all sorts of things he couldn't control and you have them too. You have things in your life presently. You have things in your past. You have things on your way in front of you. You don't have any control over. You're going to need God to shepherd you every day and he discovered it's this God that shepherds him all along the way. This is the journey he's on. That same God invites you and I into the journey because you need a shepherd. You need a shepherd for eternity. You need a shepherd for every day. That's what made Matt's story so profound. And by the way, did you hear it? Did, Did you hear it when Matt said, everybody went to sleep, but I didn't? Did you catch that? Because when you're a father and the ones you love are in trouble, you don't sleep. That's what makes Psalm 121 so profound. It says, the Lord is our refuge. Our Heavenly Father is our refuge. And he does not sleep, and he does not slumber. (laughs) You see how profound that is? See, even when you're sleeping, he's not. Even when you're beyond your capacity to control or manage, it's not beyond his. You need a shepherd every day. And so let's go right back to... John chapter 10. I am the door. I am the who? The door. Say it with me, everybody. I am the who? Door. Jesus telling us, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he, she will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for you, the sheep. (laughs) See, this idea of a door was how Jesus described himself so that you would understand how accessible he desires to be. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, he said it differently. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, he will come in and have fellowship. It's literally another picture of having a meal together. Now, this time when Jesus talks about the door... He, he's talking about like your heart's door, like, like something like this door here. He's, he's, he's talking about that, that your life, your soul, it, it, it is like a house, and you, you have a door over your heart. In the, in the John 10 scripture, he's talking about the, the door, the kind of the gate that leads into the, the sheep's pen. But here he's, he's talking about, I stand at your heart's door, and I knock. And if you hear my voice, in other words, when you're in moments like these, where you finally pay attention to the truth of God and the Spirit of God begins to draw you to himself, and you hear his voice, if you'll open the door, well then, God will come in. Jesus comes into your life and you have fellowship with him and you have a great relationship. It's restoring a broken, separated relationship with God. And Jesus made this so clear we couldn't miss it. She said, huh, you know a door can only do a couple things, right? A door can either be closed, that's one of its functions, or it can be opened. I mean, that's it. It's no more complicated than that. And it only has a couple of functions in that it either keeps out, right? Or it lets in. And you're doing one of those two things with God. You're either closing the door and you keep him out. Or you open the door and you let him in. Because there is no relationship without a choice. God gave you a free will. He made a way for you to be restored to him. Sin separates you and will cost you everything. And you have a moment to open the door and let him in. That's why that day was so transforming for Matt. (laughs) Because Matt ceased to be religious. He quit being self-sufficient. He quit acting like he was his own power source. He quit sliding back and spinning his wheels on his own efforts to get back to God. And he finally confessed, I have a debt of sin that's greater than anything I can cover. And so he believed on and received Jesus. It was a prayer something like what we'll put on the screen right here. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I know that you are knocking on my heart's door and asking to come into my life. So I open my heart's door. I ask you to come in and live with me, to forgive my sins and to be my Savior, my Shepherd and my Lord. From this day forward, I'm going to live for you, love you, and follow you. Thank you for forgiving me of every sin and making me a new person. In Jesus' name, amen. And all that's possible because of what Jesus did. And it was accomplished on Easter when he covered our sin debt and rose from the grave. Now that's a really good offer. I know we would all sign up if 12 Stone was gonna pay off all your financial debt. I don't know why you wouldn't come to Jesus and be forgiven of your sin.